Well, good morning. My name is Kyle French, and I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Cedar Hills, and it's a pleasure to be able to speak the word with you today. And um, Before we get started, let me pray, and then we'll get going. Um, Lord, we're just so grateful that we have this opportunity to come uh, sit under your word, to listen to your truth, and just let it be something that molds our heart and shapes us for who you want us to be, and allow us to uh, just see the things that you see, and to look beyond our own expectations, and, and just to really dive into who you are. And so we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, and so, as you saw, there's kind of a video with... Um, speaking the truth in the scripture. And so that was Philippians 4, 6 through 9. And so that's going to be our text this morning. And I know that Kent got into 6 and 7 last week. And so um, if the cool kids do it, you should do it too. So I also added that on because technically I was 8 and 9, but why not? More the merry, right? And we can add that in there. I think we got time. And so the backdrop of our video... I thought it was very interesting. I didn't purposefully try to find this video. I just wanted something that had scripture um, reading out loud. And then as I started to see the video, thought more about it and realizing that we kind of view scripture as this one-dimensional um, text on a page. We don't look at scripture and how it impacts the world around us. And especially in a city like New York, New York, it's so nice, we named it twice kind of thing, that it's such a beautiful city, there's so much going on, and I mean, you could have, maybe it's not beautiful to you, maybe that big city life is horrible, it's a terrible thing, but just to realize, as the words that are coming across in the text, and, and so especially in a city like New York, where it's uh, fast-paced, it's buzzing, and to hear Paul's words like, don't worry about anything, it kind of gives you a new perspective of thinking about Scripture in human terms, in life terms, not just on a page to put on a coffee cup or to recite, just in a general um, saying, whether it's in service or not in service, when we're reciting it. It's just what we do is to put this text with people in our human perspective, in our human experience. How does this text impact us for the way we should live our lives and what it should look like? And so if we didn't catch it, I'll read it one more time for us, um, our passage. So uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 9, and I'll read it for us. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which extends, exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting them into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and everything you saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. And so that is our text this morning and something to think about and um, as, I, as I watched the video and kind of got thinking about it and thinking of it more in a space that's personal and thought-provoking and interesting. And so the big word I want us to think about is reimagine. So reimagine what we think and reimagine what we expect. And so as I was looking at the video, I was thinking about what Paul would have been doing as he's writing this letter. And, and we know he was in, on house arrest. And so that's a little bit bigger than a jail cell, not much more comfortable than a jail cell, but nonetheless, there's a guard posted with him, and there's also some friends that we hear at the end of Philippians. Um, he had some brothers and sisters in Christ with him, and so 
It's just thinking about what Paul's going through, his mindset. He's writing to one of his favorite churches that he's planted and hearing about all the good news and all that they've done and all the blessings that they've come across. And yet he's thinking probably like a proud parent that comes across like the photo albums or whatever it may be that they're growing. They're getting bigger, but yet you feel sorrow for not being there, not being present, or not being in that moment still. And just, I have a two and a half year old, and just even seeing her now and coming up for children's church in the first service to what she used to be, it's a big change. It's proud, but it's also sad that that presence and that experience has been taken away or it's gone. And so just like Paul, he's probably thinking that in his head that there's so much going on and he's in prison that he can't be a part of. And if you've ever seen like a true evangelist like Billy Graham, you imagine putting him um, behind a desk and not going to talk to people or a police officer not going to save people, it's going to make them itchy and really want to go do it and save and help people. And so that just kind of mindset of thinking what he's thinking, but then also you just think that there's a candlelight giving him the aid to see what he's writing. There's the brothers and sisters kind of wondering what, he's, what they're looking at and maybe looking over his shoulder, being a little too nosy or whatever it may be. And then as they've penned the last words and knowing that the peace of God will be with you. And I just imagine that his look when he looks up and he's so proud that he wrote this and just feel that peace that God is with him. Because we can't separate the text from human authors who are inspired to write divine texts. And while he's writing it, he's still a person. He still has thoughts and emotions like us as well. And so I just imagine he kind of comes up with that, like, that smirk where you know you've done a good job and you want to be proud of it, and you just look up at everyone, and everyone has that same smirk that we're doing something special and important. And that's what I imagine, that they, they pin the last of Philippians and they all kind of look around at each other really proud of what they've done and all that God's going to do through it. And so I think in in a similar vein, Paul knows that there's a mission of God, and part of the mission, especially as he planted Philippians, was to fulfill the mission of God. And sometimes we kind of have different definitions of that, but I think Jesus gives it to us perfectly in Luke 4, 18 and 19, and I'll read it for us. Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord has come. And so as we think about those texts, we realize as the mission of God, as the one true God, that he has extended participation in this mission of God with us. And it doesn't always just mean that it's Christians participating. Have you ever seen or heard stories of people that don't know who Christ is and they do great, good things? And just their story of how they just feel so fulfilled in it. And you just want to say, like, that's Christ right there. That's Christ. But good is being done. It doesn't separate God's goodness from what he has done. There's all means in which Christ can work and do good. It's being able to share that Jesus is the better way is the key. And knowing that there is a plan, that there is a mission, and we need to keep this imagery in mind because as we read the text, it doesn't want to be one-dimensional. And as we think about what we're doing with the Grow the Good campaign, it doesn't want to be one-dimensional. It's not 
money going into a basket never to be seen again. It's this building, it's these people, it's the mission of God extending further and further. It's lives changed for the gospel. And that's what we want to see because that's what we want to reimagine as the community of faith being somewhere, somehow, as we're not the bad guys. Because the church does get a bad rep. And sometimes it's very deserving of so. There are many times, and myself included, where we become very judgmental and we think that we have it all put together and we have this expectation of how life should work or how we should be. And we have this this very high up platform that we feel like we sit on. And so especially as my wife and I do foster care and one of our first placements of children, um, their mother um, had just gotten out of rehab. And the first time we had met her, very raw, coming from a very wealthy um, background, very privileged, fortunate background, I feel so burdened in the sense that I felt very judgmental in that moment. The first time meeting her was thinking, this is going to be interesting. And everyone knows that the word interesting usually means like, ugh. Like, that's interesting. And it's not usually in a good way. And so I just remember that and feeling that. And really, it still burdens me in that way to see that and feel that. And so I try to make amends with it as much as possible and try to do better and reimagine what this woman does for her children. Because uh, throughout the six or so months that they were in our home from Thanksgiving, probably about to March or so, that this woman was loving. She was caring. This is what, I, what my wife is. We're, and when it comes down to the things that we do good and do well, what changes is if Jesus is in it or not. And she wasn't a believer, but you can hear in her story that there's Christ there if she was able to receive the gospel. And because, you know, I get up and talk about Jesus. It would be so easy just to have that gospel conversation every time she came to our door, but I didn't. And they shrink sometimes, and we don't imagine because someone looks a certain way or acts a certain way that they don't need the gospel, or maybe they won't want it. It's okay, they don't want it. They don't want to hear what I have to say. And sometimes we shrink back and don't think that this good news, what they're already doing, how we can partner with people that are already doing good and be able to share that gospel with them and say why we do the things that we do. We can all echo a hope and a peace and justice for our society. What changes for us as Christians is we know where that peace and that hope and that justice comes from and the way it should be because we need to reimagine what Christ can do because sometimes we like to put him in a box and make sure that if that box isn't right, we kind of form it back to be what it is because we don't need God pushing us in different directions, and we don't need God making us do things that are uncomfortable. And so as we kind of dive into our passage more specifically, and we we think about um, verses 7, 8, and 9, I think that there's kind of a format to it, and so we'll go through it. But I think verse 7 gives us a really good example of what reimagining hope would look like. It says this, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so this is the power of the gospel to reimagine. It explicitly says, exceeds anything we can understand. So it goes beyond what we can even imagine. And so that's breaking expectations right there, is knowing that there's such a finite of us to see God's infinite reality 
and to see what he has in store. And we might not always see right away what that change is, or maybe that conversation leads to them having a better day, which leads to them having a good night with their spouse. And maybe that leads to a good night with their kids. Or on the vice versa, if they have a bad day or something else, they don't get to feel loved, that they go home to a home where they don't feel loved and go to a place of work where they don't feel loved, and that cycle continues. Because there's so many different things that we don't understand or don't think about that relate to our imagination and what our expectations are of how we treat people and love people and do for God's mission. And so there's so much little things that we tend to overlook that can become big things. And so I think as we look in our passage, we see a reimagination of expectation and not just lean on what we believe will happen, but the trust that Jesus will show up in that moment. And so that gives us a new vision of hope in 4.8. In our passage, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, Think about these things are excellent and worthy of praise. Because if we know that Jesus will show up, and not always in the way that we expect, but he will. He says so. And we can feel free to dream big, because if we don't dream big, we're not really reaching the expectations that God has for his mission. Because there's so many little things and so many big things where we just kind of thought, oh, someone else will be doing it. Someone else has it in hand. But yet, we don't realize that God may be calling us to do those big things and really step out. Maybe it's something new that you've never heard about or done before, but you took the time to really imagine what God's calling on your heart and calling on your life. And it's, you don't hear about it in our community, in our neighborhood. There's not really a program for that. But you could start that program. You could get connected with people that have the, like, the similar vision that are like-minded. And you can connect together and create something new. Because maybe you're the one that's being called. And, and a certain pastor had mentioned in one of his sermons, I forget which specifically it was, but he said that sometimes what you're called to do most is what frustrates you the most. Does something, a problem, an issue, homelessness, poverty, child hunger, does that frustrate you? Maybe that's what you're called to do, to help in those ways. Because sometimes it's taking that leap of faith and that step of faith and reimagining the expectations that we can have because we don't think too highly of ourselves or think that we can accomplish it. But if we give God the opportunity to show up, he will. And so we talked a little bit about what it could mean if we reimagine this hope. And I think verse 9 gives us a really good framework for it as it says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. And so this isn't to puff up Paul, and Paul's not saying this just to be like, I'm pretty good, guys. You see what I've done? I've planted all these churches. I've done all these ministries. I got bit by a snake. I was shipwrecked, all this stuff. Like, that was me. What he's really saying is, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so what that means is, I live out the gospel. I try my best. I do what I can, but I'm imitating Christ, and I want you to imitate Christ as well and follow me in that. I'm, I can be an example and a support, and that's what our lives can look like as a model and an example to others. 
and especially as we do good things and we share um, what is going on in our world, the things that we're trying to fight with our food bank or Matthew 25, different nods and ends and different ministries that we support and participate in. There's so many opportunities to really show and reimagine what that looks like. Because especially when you're cleaning out someone's yard and you're all sweaty and nasty and the person next door asks you why in the world you would clean the lawn for that cranky old lady in that house that doesn't want to come out and just doesn't do her own yard. She's so lazy. But they don't realize that perhaps that maybe that lady has special needs. She's not capable, doesn't understand what to do to take care of that home. And maybe she's been hurt before. And so talking to other people is very difficult. And so maybe she comes off as cranky because she just doesn't know any other way or can't actually com- actually fulfill the way that you want to be treated. And so I think stories like that kind of shift our focus a little bit because we think that there's this world with rules and liturgies and things where we kind of follow a pattern. And there are some people that kind of break that pattern, that don't fit in that pattern. And that's what I hope the gospel transitions us away from, that it breaks those walls and breaks those barriers to think beyond what we know and what we can expect because we don't know the full story. And like Jesus said, he'll be there for us and for them, regardless of where they are. And we need to be in that presence, because if we start avoiding things that break our patterns, our patterns aren't going to matter. Because Jesus wants our souls, he wants our hearts, he wants everyone's soul and hearts. And if we're not pursuing that, we're not doing the mission of God. Because everyone needs Jesus. And that may take time, it may be immediate, it may be whatever. Sometimes, unfortunately, some people do not decide to choose Christ. That doesn't mean that their impact isn't valuable. And so as we kind of think about things and get focused in, maybe there is a different way. What are some of the ways that we can get connected? And like I said, we're already connected with Matthew 25, and part of their opportunity in their neighborhood is the Taylor neighborhood. And so they do a lot of things in rebuilding homes, and especially um, for people that uh, during the flood weren't able to rebuild their own homes financially or whatever it may be that they weren't able to rebuild, and so their homes have kind of decayed over time. And so they're able to go and help build up the houses back to what they originally were. Because it's not so much you drive by a horrible house or it looks horrible, and you don't realize that they just physically do not have the money or the capability to fix it up, but they're very well-meaning people. And I think Sometimes we just jump to conclusions way too quickly. And I think participating in these types of ministries or participating in Bridgehaven and the pregnancy resource and trying to meet where these families are at or these mothers are at and they're terrified, instead of just saying that they're out partying and made the wrong decision, are we there for them to encourage them? They already feel that weight of what they've done. Can we be a bridge to love that shows them what Christ can do, how Christ will show up. Because that's the mission I want to be on. And I think that's the mission you want to be on. Because if the mission of God looked like a reality, it would be that the poor were cared for, that the captives of sin were removed from their bondage, that the blind could see the truth, and the oppressed were set free. And the popular opinion, like I said before, is the church wasn't the enemy, it was the helper. And whether we like it or not, the church has a really bad rep. 
And I bet you've had these similar conversations where we, we've had at uh, Theology on Tap. So we have Doug Elam, if you know Doug, he likes to talk and loves to connect with people. And so we were at Theology on Tap at, I forget which one, Iowa Brewing Company or whatever it was. And, or no, it was at, yeah, I'm not even going to guess. But anyways, so it was at a brewery nearby. And so he just saw this family that was connected. It was a, a husband and wife. And asked them if they would like to participate in our discussion on theology. And they politely said, oh, we can't do that. We'll start on fire. And so that, that just have a conversation, is that, obviously that's an exaggeration, and, and we know that what that looks like. But the same regard, don't you feel for those people that feel like they can't even have a conversation about theology or about faith because they're so afraid that people are going to just nail them up right there. And can we have that conversation without just having to assume that we're right or we have this framework that people have to fit in? Because sometimes it's these new ideas, this imagination that starts to build when we start to hear what people feel and how they look at things. And we start to be better when we start to know that this human experience is shared with people that are of faith and not of faith because we're all working together as image bearers of Christ to fulfill what he's called us. And so sometimes it's going to look messy, and especially hearing the stories after the first service about ways in which life has looked messy. It's, it's so encouraging to hear and think like, and pray through with people and, and to see what they're going through. And people that you don't even imagine that they're doing that, like I don't want to make fun of Wayne Josephek, but if you look at Wayne, do you think Wayne's going to go read to children? I told him this, so I, I didn't tell him I'd say this, but I told him that I had the same opinion. I look at Wayne, and I don't see a guy that's going to go read to children, but he's read to children at elementary school for multiple decades, like committed all the time. And so when we look at people, we don't see their story, we don't hear what they do, and we kind of judge and look at, well, I can't do that, I'm this way, or I'm that way. And all he said was, I just do it because I love the Lord. So can we say that about the things that we do? I do it because I love the Lord. I just want to do and help people. And so that's just something to keep in mind as we reimagine that. Don't sell yourself short. Don't think about what your expectation is that you can fulfill. But think about what God's expectation is for his mission. And you are a part of that. And so if you promise to give your worth, he'll give his. And he will be there and he will show up. Let's pray. Lord, we're just so grateful for all that you've done for us. You've come to die on the cross to show us salvation that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn, that you broke your pattern for ours. Allow us to reimagine what it means to be a people of God, to be on mission for you, and to know that you'll show up. Allow all the conversations that we had to be meaningful, all our our focus and our mindset to be on your agenda and your glory first and foremost. And just let anything that's breaking us, that's hurting us, that's driving us down this morning, let it be in your hands. That you will take that from us. You will mold it and give us this peace that will exceed all of our expectations. And so I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.